Hi everybody, you're listening to The Woke Podcast with Fox and Maya. Thanks for supporting the show. This is a show with adult content, so if you're not of legal age where you live, then turn off now. This podcast is about rope bondage. Rope bondage is edge play with inherent risk. We strongly recommend you get proper training and listen to our episode zero on safety and consent in rope before attempting it. Find it at the top of our FetLife page, Rope Podcast. Fox is a rigger and Maya is a bottom. We are long-term rope partners who live in Bangkok, Thailand. We love to share our passion for rope with the wider community. Today's episode is sponsored by you, our lovely listeners. Thank you so much for our patrons who make this podcast possible by supporting some of the costs. If you'd like to help us make more Rope Podcast episodes, please go to ropepodcast.com and visit our Patreon. Today, Maya, we're talking about something that's a bit abstract, maybe, but I find really interesting, and that is intent in rope. Okay, that sounds like a super interesting topic. So what do we mean by intent in rope bondage? Well, Maya, you love rope bondage. I do. And I love rope bondage. I'm pretty sure you do. And our dear listeners probably also love rope bondage, otherwise they wouldn't be listening to this podcast. In some way, shape or form, yes. But why do we love it and why do we do it or enjoy it in the first place? That sounds like a really deep question. I think it is a very deep question and I think it's also a very important question on a very practical level. Why is it important, Fox? Because when we look at some of the most major rope incidents and we try to analyze a bit, at the root of them often we find a mismatch in the intent of the two people doing rope together. Okay, can you tell me a bit more about that? Well, I believe there's more than one reason to be doing rope. All right, that's already a really interesting place to start. So maybe let's start there. So what are some of the ways to do rope? Uh, In fact, I found 12. 12. So this is possible intentions? Like these are 12 rope intentions? Intentions, motivations, reasons. And the funny thing is often I talk to someone who's been doing rope for a few years And there's a sweet spot where they've been doing rope for like one, two, maybe three years and they feel they've got rope figured out. Okay. But in fact, they've only been doing rope in one community with one set of people in one given way. And they think that perspective is all there is. That's all the rope. Right. But I believe that's wrong. I believe that's not all the rope. Yeah. Uh, Because some communities descend from a certain teacher have a certain view or have a certain philosophy, are built around maybe a social media that censors other types of rope. Oh, right. That's a great point. And so they grew up, so to speak, in rope around that one style. That's the one that's accessible to them at that time. And they don't even necessarily have the notion that other people somewhere else in the world do rope bondage also for different reasons in different contexts. Okay, so... The concept of intent, intention, is what we're saying is the same as our motivation for rope. Would you say that's the same or is there some extra difference there? There's also a very pragmatic aspect of the practice because someone who has a sexual intent is going to have some sexual acts mixed up with a rope, whereas someone who has a different intent that's not sexual at all is not going to even consider 
that sex is on the table during a scene. And if those two people, let's say one's from Germany and the other one's from Japan, and they meet at a conference in Brazil. <laughs> okay. And they're like, oh, I like rope, you like rope, let's do rope together. What do you think is going to happen? Boom. Boom. They're going to implode because yeah. they come from very different intents. Or they're going to be sad. Okay, also that. And maybe both. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So what I'm hearing then, and, and I'm really interested to make sure I understand, is that intention is both the motivations, our desires in rope, but also what we do with our desires or what we're yes. going to do with our desires in that scene. And what we consider to be within the scope of what we call rope. Because to stay on that same example, the person who has a sexual intent considers sexual acts like oral sex, for instance, to be within the scope of what is normal in their rope practice. Whereas the person, let's say, who's more of a circus type of person who enjoys very acrobatic rope suspensions and has come to rope through circus school has no notion that oral sex would be anywhere near their rope time. Mm -hmm. And it would be honestly kind of shocking to them if they've never been exposed to it. But some people do do that. All right, all right. So you, you've really got a potential for clash. Because this notion of intention and intent is talked about quite a lot in rope circles. Mm -hmm. um, and is is relatively... It always feels a bit... Um, ethereal. Ethereal, much better word than what I was thinking. Ethereal to me. Hard to pin down. People often say, oh, well, you should um, make sure you go in with the right intent or... What does that even mean? And so I wondered how we would pin it down for listeners in the episode, but that sounds like a good, a good right. starting place. So I'm going to offer a list of 12 possible intents that I've been able to come up with from my own experience, mostly. Uh, and I'm not saying it's exhaustive, but I would love if someone could message me if they can think of other ones, because that's the kind of thing I dig um, doing a... Uh, classification of rope intent. A taxonomy. A taxonomy, of rope thank intense. you. That's the Love word it. I was looking for. Yeah. Alright, so tell us um where where might we start with our uh classification of rope intents? I started with sensual. Alright, tell me what you mean by sensual. By sensual I mean a practice of rope that is centered around pleasing the senses. And so it can be the nice feeling of rope dragging on the skin, can be the nice smell of fresh hemp rope, which personally I like. I know some people don't like the smell of hemp rope. I do. Uh, it's basically enjoying our senses, but not necessarily in a sexual way. Okay, so I'm going to already stop you there and say, well, that's quite interesting, um, the notion of good or bad sensual yeah because you you know that's not sensual just means your senses mm -hmm. are awakened and you know that could be a good smell a bad smell a good touch a bad touch i mean if you subscribe to the notion that such things exist good mm. and bad i mean wow we're on to a philosophy yeah. philosophy minute on the rope podcast yeah. today dear listeners so i i think there's also clearly even more definition that you need to do within hmm. the intention, which we can see from just our first one. All right. So to summarize it in simple words, I would say when I have a sensual intent, I am doing rope bondage 
seeking pleasure through my senses without sexual arousal. All right. And that's a very personal definition. And I would be super okay if someone else had a different definition of what sensual is for them. Mm. Um, And you bring up another excellent point that just because you consider yourselves to have the same intent mm-hmm. does not at all mean um, that you actually do because you might define your intents in completely different ways. Yeah, and that's a really good point to bring up. And especially when we're going to mention sex in a minute, sex is not the same thing to, to different people. Some people consider kissing sexual. Some people consider kissing non-sexual. So it's really important when you're negotiating with someone to clearly define the words you're using and what you mean by them. And the more you can get to concrete actions and examples, mm. the better I feel your chance for successful communication are. So you might say, and what, does, what might that look like for you? Yeah, absolutely. Or if I do that, if I do that action, if I put my hand inside your underwear, does that fit within your notion of what sensual is. Mm, mm. So sexual, is that the next one we would go to? Before going to sexual, I have another one, which is kind of in the middle for me, which is erotic. And yeah, for me, it's a cousin of both sensual and sexual. And I am still seeking pleasure. (laughs) (laughs) I am still uh, seeking pleasure. And also arousal, but I don't intend to act on that arousal. So I'm going to feel some excitement, some butterflies, something of an erotic nature. But my intent is not to have sex with the person I'm playing with. And why would you define erotic as an intent rather than sensual? Like, what would be the usefulness of... Okay, very good question. I don't feel comfortable getting in an aroused state with someone who's not comfortable with me being in that state. And so I would use that distinction to ask my partner if they're okay with me going there. And if they were like, I'm not really comfortable with that, I would stay on the central side. So I might enjoy the smell of their hair or the softness of their skin, but, but I would not, not let myself get into... Sexy touching. Yeah. And if it goes deeper than the touching, I would not let myself go into a sexually aroused place if they told me they were not comfortable with that. Wow. So already we've got a really interesting distinction between sensual, erotic, and then I'm assuming... and. You know, you know what they say about assume. Mm. Um, sexual. Yes, that was indeed the next one. Number going three. Going to the next stage. So, what does that mean for you? Hey guys, this is Fox coming in for a short break. Listeners like you make this podcast possible. We want to continue making this podcast for you for a long time, and to do that, we need your support. Please go to ropepodcast.com to buy rope video lessons from experts so we get a small commission on your purchase at no extra cost to you. In addition, a really great way to help us is donating on Patreon. A one-time amount or a monthly pledge that can be as little as the cost of your morning coffee makes a big difference to us. And you will gain cool perks like behind-the-scenes photos and the ability to vote on future podcast topics. Go support us on ropepodcast.com because you love rope too. 
For me, that means within the scope of the play, I am intending or at least leaving the possibility of sexual acts. And I agree they need to be clearly defined as to what's meant by a sexual act, which ones are okay, which ones are not, because you could say oral sex is okay, but no penetration, for instance. You could say whatever you want. That's the beauty of what we do is you set your own rules in negotiation about what's on the table and what's off the table. But as soon as at least one sexual act is involved, I would say, for me, that's moving into a sexual intent. All right. And what is the next one? The next one, which is quite a contrast, is playful intent. And what does that mean? That means we're going to have fun. We're going to have a laugh. Uh, we're maybe going to be a bit silly. I've made you so British. We're going right. to laugh. Yeah, you, you're rubbing off on me in all the wrong ways. One way or the other. Yeah. Um, so, so do we not have fun in the other ones? I guess I must be a boring person in bed, but I can't be silly and sexy at the same time. That's not something I'm good at. I think for some people, they can definitely interweave. For me, in my lived experience, they're quite separate. Mm. Uh, that would be four and five for me is sadomasochistic so i feel like i've got a better handle on this one but tell the listeners (laughs) and me um what the intent for you of a sadomasochistic rock bondage scene might be the intent is going to be to inflict or receive pain or both with the idea that probably the person that's going to be giving pain is someone who enjoys giving pain. That would be a sadist. And the person who will be receiving pain as part of the rope is going to get some enjoyment or gratification out of that pain, and that would be the masochist. And typically, we think that in rope, it's more likely to be the top giving the pain just because they've got the instrument. Yeah, you think that, and then you tie on a synthetic rug. (laughs) And you get grievous rug burn. With nylon rope that also is pretty burning. Yeah, I, I have hurt myself I know, pretty bad. Honey, I know, I've, I was there. Non-consensual. I was attacked by that rug. It was yep. brutal. It took me months to months. heal from it. And psychologically, I'm not sure you've recovered from the trauma. I don't think I ever will. Yep. All right, so what would number six... I'm conscious, you know, we are aiming for our usual episode time. So what would number <laughs> six be? Uh, number six would be power exchange. Hmm, tell me about that, sir. I mean, box. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good one. So in that case, the rope is being used to create a power differential between... I'm going to simplify it to two people. For this conversation, I mean, I know you can do rope with just yourself and self tie. I do, I believe. I know you can do rope with three, five, ten thousand people at the same time. But for the sake of this discussion, which is already complicated, let's restrict the examples to two people. Uh, And so anyway, creating a power differential, I'm going to put myself above you or below you. And the rope is going to help with that in some way. And you don't way. mean literally, although that could be part of it. Yeah, just removing someone's agency and ability to move their body can create a power differential. Or that could be uh, the person being tied who has the power and orders the other person around. And then can also be a dimension of service. So it could be a rope top tying the rope that the bottom enjoys as a service to the bottom. So imagine like 
they're seeing the bottom as this princess person that they're servicing and they're using the rope to give them what they want as a gift, an offering of sorts that can be quite nice. Or when the shoe's on the other foot, it can be the bottom offering themselves as a canvas for the rigor to freely express their rope creativity. That's and I would say that's quite central to the dynamic you and I share. I would say you're probably correct. Yes, mm-hmm. you usually are. Uh, another way of including service in rope could be being a training partner, doing a certain thing for the benefit of the other person learning. Like you go to a workshop and you offer your body for people to practice tying TKs on. And hopefully on the next day, you still have use of your hands. So is training or learning one of your uh, intentions is the 12th one so no spoilers oh sorry <laughs> i was just interested okay so do you want to do that one next or all right well we got, we're wild we're going out of order oh, so this sorry. one i called mastery <laughs> oh of course you did right <laughs> and it's the intent or the goal of gaining knowledge and skill And that would be studying, of course, the art of tying and or being tied, which I think is a very real thing. It's a craft, really, I would say. Uh, But it could also extend to things like the history of rope uh, and things like the philosophy of rope. So it can be also more intellectual in the pursuit. Or indeed the culture of rope, which is kind of what our whole podcast is about. I would say so. I mean, I think if people have listened to more than one episode of this podcast... They have some belonging in this category. Oh, fascinating. Meta. Okay. So we're on number seven or eight? So with the jumping around, I think we're going to be on eight, which for me is artistic. Ah, okay. And that is tying or being tied for the purpose of producing photographs, videos, art installations, performances to be enjoyed by an audience. But it's the idea that we are creating some form of content and probably that content is going to be consumed by other people. Although there's nothing wrong with making photos you just keep in your little black book and you only look at them alone at night, there's often a dimension of sharing with Hmm. a third party or with the world at large. And with platforms like Instagram, that aspect of rope has become... Very widespread. Yeah, very much so. And many people have come to rope through this idea of producing a photograph at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really interesting because they don't necessarily know all of the things that go behind it. So that's yeah. a, an intention which can really be a very focused dimension. Mm-hmm. And again, as we've said before, may really surprise you when you find out that actually rope might hurt. Yeah. And in fact, Maya, just today, you tied with a rigger who shared that he was tying a person and he was more looking for something sensual or erotic is the impression I got from the description Mm. he gave. And he was very jarred when the person said, oh, can we stop for a minute so my (laughs) friend can take a picture? And that would be a great example where having a mismatch in intent can uh, bring jarring moments, Mm. if Mm. not clear consent violations and major issues. All right. What's the next intention? The next intention for me, Maya, would be creative. Oh, so how does this differ from artistic? For me, artistic is producing a content for other people to consume, whereas creative is making something new, is the search for the new, the originality, 
is the outlet where I'm going to put more something of myself and for myself. And so it could be creating new positions, creating new ties, coming up with new ways to use rope. Like if I floss my rope between new toes, what does that do? Is it nice? Is it bad? Like just, and for me, that's different than the artistic side. It's really purely playing with my creativity and the creativity of my partner. And would it extend as a bottom to things like new ways to handle pain? Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's looking for the new and the original, the thing that has not been seen before. All right. And what's our next intent? Next, I have physical challenge. Ooh. And so it's things like pushing your limits, like challenging yourself of how long can I stay in this suspension? Keeping in mind safety and not forcing yourself beyond what you feel your body can take is quite important. So can I clarify here? Because pushing your limits is um, a vanilla world term. Yes. But obviously in BDSM, it can we mean want to respect quite limits. different. Yeah. So just uh, help us understand yeah. what you want I'm more thinking that. of the state of mind of the long distance runner who's like, okay, last week I ran 10 miles. This week I want to challenge myself to run 11 miles. Okay. So it might be if you're a rigger, you find kneeling to tie quite challenging and so you can do it for 15 minutes mm -hmm. but you're pushing your limits to, to kneel for yes. 20 minutes and i include in that the people who do what's sometimes called circus rope where they're trying to strive for very challenging poses for really impressive acrobatics i think that belongs to this physical challenge category and then i have two more maya the next one, which might surprise some people because I think it's one of the lesser known ones, is therapeutic intent. Tell us about that. That would be using rope to help either with physical pain or for things um, in the world of mental health uh, to help calm down anxiety, for instance. I always remember the very first person we interviewed on this podcast was Raiju, and she shared something I, f I found really touching, which is she would ask a partner to tie a chest harness on her that she would wear under her clothes going to school to take her exams and that would help her deal with the anxiety and the stress. Mm -hmm. And that to me is a superb illustration of what therapeutic rope can be. I wonder if this one is more commonly thought of by bottoms than by tops. Interesting. Because I had a conversation with a friend who knew me uh, today, a friend who knew me when I started in rope, mm -hmm. and she says, and the, one of the things that I remember is you saying how it really helped you with your anxiety and your um, relaxation. Absolutely. And so that was one of the earliest mm -hmm. things, apparently, for me, and she had remembered it. And I wonder if more bottoms experience that, and it doesn't necessarily become an intention that they talk about in the scene. Um, but it is something that they have inside. In my experience, I've only had one partner who really came to me with that intent, fully explicit and at the forefront. And the main, yeah. yeah, yeah. Her main motivation, at least at the beginning, to uh, try rope bondage. And it was really helpful because we structured a whole rope relationship around that concept. And she was suffering from hypermobility syndrome. And we designed some ties and positions specifically to target the areas of her body where she was having those issues. 
And it was hugely gratifying for me to be able to use my rope skills in a way that so clearly helped someone with a problem they had. This is an interesting one because I wonder if this is one where it could cause a different kind of problem um, of, of discomfort in the other person if you don't express it in some cases. And the reason I say this is because um, I understand that some people use rope sometimes to process things. Like it's mm-hmm. a space where they feel able to process difficult things and I remember someone saying um, that they had a really good rope session and they processed a load of really deep um, quite you know challenging issues and the interesting thing is that they hadn't shared that intention Hmm. with the other person and of course the risk there is that stuff comes up and hits the other person in the face essentially um, and they haven't consented to be the therapist. Mm. Does that make sense? So you, you mean that could put, let's say, the rigor, for instance, in a position that they didn't consent to be yeah. in. They're not yeah. comfortable with being yeah. in. It, they're not, yeah, they're not comfortable. I think that is kind of true for every intent in this list. Like if one person has a sexual intent that's not being communicated, it could put the other person in the position of an unwilling sex worker, essentially, who's providing sexual gratification without wanting to. But some of them are more obvious than others. So the, the reason I bring up the um, processing trauma one is that some of the things can be done in the person's head and the other person never needs to know. Whereas if I have a sexual intent, then um, it, to do a sexual act in the scene, the other person is much more likely to know. Some mm-hmm. things are easier to hide, and I don't mean necessarily in a proactive way like a purposeful way but just maybe you don't think to tell the other person but actually uncovering these intents is important in in lots of different ways okay and i I think that's really interesting and i think there's also a distinction to be made between i go into the scene with the intent of processing that difficult memory i have versus i go into the scene intending for a playful scene and then something gets triggered and those emotions come up and get processed, but that wasn't intentional exactly. going into yeah, the scene. Yeah, Okay, great, great point as well. All right. So what is your 12th one? 12th and last one for me, that is exploration. Oh, that sounds nice. So and that can be that. exploration of the self or that can be exploration of my partner. And then it would be more getting to know each other through rope as a medium. Like with glasses and a Ouija board? More as... I go to this party, I meet this person who's kind of interesting, but we don't have that much in common. And if it was a vanilla party, we wouldn't really know what to do with each other. Oh, but wait, it's a kink party. We both like rope. So let's do rope. And through having this common activity, we get to know each other and we might become friends. We might become lovers. We might become master and slave five years down the line. Who even knows? So how do we find out what a person's intent is? So there's clearly many types. All right. So to make things more complicated, in case they were not enough yet, you can have more than one intent at the same time. And in fact, A, I have had each of those 12 intents at some point in my rope life. I'm a single person and I've had all 12 of those intents on different days at different time with different people. Okay. And B, usually I don't actually have only one of those. I have a mix. Like today I might have 
uh, 60% artistic intent, <laughs> 40% sexual intent, which is I want to get a nice photo and oh, if we have a bit of time and we're both in the mood, maybe we'll have a bit of sex in the rope after the photo. <laughs> All right. So our intentions can be more than one. Can, yes. Are we also always clear about our own intentions? I think there's a lot of introspection work that goes into that. And I, in fact, invite each and every listener today to sit down with themselves and list out what they think their intents tend to be. Because the more you know yourself, the better you'll be able to communicate with a partner what you might be interested in playing with. All right. So then do you just ask? I usually do. I try to communicate and sometimes there's a good match with the other person that they say, oh, that's also what I'm interested in. That's also what I want to do. Uh, and sometimes not at all. And when that's happened in the past, uh, well, sadly, sometimes the right thing to do was to walk away and say, we're just not right for each other at this moment in time. Like what you want and what I want is not really compatible. And so... There's a whole wide world out there of people who love rope. I think it's better if I tie someone else and you go get tied by someone different. Yeah, I think that's a really um, positive message for people mm -hmm. that you can and should choose a person according to what's right for you and them and the, the Venn diagram of what's between you rather than feeling like, okay, you're a person who does rope, I'm a person who does rope, thus we must do rope. You just summarized my whole motivation for making this episode, oh. Maya. <laughs> very well. Like, okay. There is more than one kind of rope. And just because we both do rope doesn't mean we're right for each other. All right. Okay. Uh, good news. Sometimes you start from a different place and there are ways you can compromise and still get to nice rope oh, together. Oh, tell us about that. I have some ideas about that. Uh, one thing you can do, assuming you don't have total irresolvable incompatibility would be to take turns like I do something for you today you do something for me tomorrow and you can look at uh, that model the wheel of consent by Betty Martin which is kind of famous and easy to find on the internet and this idea of sometimes I do something for you sometimes you do something for me sometimes you do something for you sometimes I do something for me I've, actually you don't even need to look it up I think I've just summarized the whole thing <laughs> I'm just trying to imagine you mm -hmm. asking someone where English isn't their first language, hey, what's your intent in rope? And I'm thinking that's probably a complicated question for an English speaker who is a first language speaker. I, I think it's really difficult to communicate across barriers of language and culture. And that is one big reason why I am reticent to tie with someone if we don't have a certain amount of language in common. Like when someone only speaks five words of any of the languages that I speak, I'm not comfortable tying with them. Part of the reason I learned some languages that I speak <laughs> so that I could tie people feeling comfortable, we can communicate our intents and limits and so on. Uh, I have another option for okay. when two people have different intents and that is to choose neither of the intents Ooh. that the people a brought, a wild card. but to find a completely third one in the list that both people are kind of okay with. And often you're going to find out that when you try that, it actually leads to a good time. Example, she wants sex. Okay. He wants photographs. Okay. 
and they decide to just have a nice relaxed playful time with neither sex nor photographs. No one gets what they thought they wanted, but actually they both managed to have a good time while respecting the other person. So there's some room you feel for exploring intents that you might not originally have. Of course, there's a bit of care here around the more um, sexual ones, or in fact, honestly, all of them, because Mm -hmm. we can feel pressured into doing the kind of rope that we maybe don't want to do because we want to do rope, which I guess loops us back to what you were saying before. And sometimes we need to shift our expectations and sometimes we need to say, okay, today is not the right day to be doing rope with this person and I'm going to preserve us both by saying no. And that is the right thing to do. All right. Um, So I'm just going to go back to this idea for our listeners to make it quite practical for them. How do they find out the other person's intent. So we've got like asking them what should we do. You can ask them straight away, but that's not always going to get you the answer. That's where I'm kind of coming from. You can ask some questions like, what does a good time in rope look like to you? And then by going through examples, you're going to get a better grasp. Or you could ask, can you describe a rope scene you really liked and one that you like less? And do you think you would like or dislike the same things when tying with me? Because someone really liked something with one person doesn't mean they want to do the same with you. Yeah. So that's important. And there's a question of the why Mm -hmm. behind this, which I think is a really complicated question again. So can you describe a rope scene you you really liked? You kind of, on the one hand, want to know why. And on the other hand, it doesn't matter, except for it does matter, but it doesn't matter. So how are you addressing that thorny issue of why? There's a lot of subtlety and why is a different, it is a dangerous beast because it can lead you towards giving the other person the impression you're pushing back against mm. their limits. Yeah. And so, for instance, Maya, you don't do TKs. I do not. And when you say that to a rigger and they come back to you with, but why don't you do TKs? It kind of feels like they're not really respecting your position of not doing TKs sometimes. Yeah. And that's completely true. And yeah, at the same time, by asking the question, they can understand that I don't like rope in certain places, that I have certain risk profile. And it's a good question. Yeah. So I guess there's also a how how do you ask that in an open way? Mm. And that's maybe an open question. Like, can I give it a shot? Okay, Maya, I understand you don't do TKs and I will definitely not try to do a TK on you. I would be curious to understand a bit more about why you don't do TKs. Would you mind sharing that with me? Wow, you're like a pro. I've been doing this a while. It's like you date a psychologist or something. Or something. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so that sounds sounds useful. So you're making it more practical, uh, more concrete. Um, you're finding ways that the other person can share aspects of intent with you mm-hmm. without them having to get the concept of intent itself. Yes. And then I think if you're on, in an ongoing dynamic with a person and you're tying with the same person several times, there's also an iterative incremental building of the understanding. We have a briefing, we have a scene, we debrief that scene. Next time we get a bit closer to our sweet spot. 
So does that mean that once you've met someone and you're doing rope, you always do the same intention? I really don't think so, but I think you can build a map of that person Ooh, over time. A map. Yeah, it's pretty sexy, isn't it? Yeah. A map of our desires. But keep in mind that is a map of a territory that is ever-shifting because mm. no person actually stays the same over time. And so there's also a danger in thinking you know the person and you know what they want. And okay, we've been having sex every time we do rope for a long time. And so this time it's also going to be sexual. Well, I would check because people change what they want changes. I would still check regularly mm. that they're still happy with the way the play is going. They're still seeking the same things they were seeking years ago when we first met and we first did Because together. intents really vary over time, over partner, mm -hmm. over setting, over yep. mood, or like how your physical, like I know for me, how my physical body feels mm -hmm. makes a big difference, difference to my intent. Um, or even just because you like variety. I mean, you said all 12 of those are intents you've explored. Yeah, and I think sometimes you're going to find out once the scene has started that the scene is not matching your intents for that day. And if that does happen, I think it's important to stop the scene and realign. And that might mean we stop what we're doing, we take five minutes to talk, we start tying again, or it could be we decide to stop tying for today and we'll try again tomorrow. What I think is really important is to not just grit your teeth and force yourself through it when it's not working for you. For either party. Uh, because I think it's bad for both parties. And I think that might leave you scarred if you force yourself through situations you don't want to be in. Mm. So I would strongly caution against that. So how would someone know that the intent, the two intents weren't matching? I think in that case, both partners have a responsibility to use their safe words or their words if you're doing plain English communication. Uh, and if, if you don't tell the other person that you're in a bad space and something needs to change, I think that's not cool. I think if you r realize you're in a space that's harming you, you have a responsibility to communicate that to the other person. Yeah, and if you know you're someone who's non-verbal who's unable to do that you mm -hmm. have to at a meta level communicate that you're someone who would struggle to communicate that mm -hmm. and thus have a plan for that so kind of cover yourself in a different way Absolutely. although of course in a traumatic situation it's difficult to know like if it's a very traumatic situation you don't know how you're gonna respond mm -hmm. in which case i i would say then it's about the responsibility of both parties to work out how to repair that. And mm -hmm. maybe there's some conversations beforehand, and we've talked about this in um, many episodes, but some conversation beforehand about, well, what do we do if something goes wrong? How are we going to handle this as a tying pair yeah. if one of us makes a mistake or, or messes up? Because that is going to happen sometimes. Mm -hmm. Growth mindset. Growth mindset. <laughs> wow. So intent seems um, a more nuanced topic. Um, than, than one might think yeah. um, at the start. Yeah, and it's ever-changing with the days, with the moods, with the hormones, or what have you. What did I have for breakfast today? That might change my intent. What the location and setting is, like I know a lot of people love sexual rope at home, but when they go to a party, they're only comfortable with non-sexual rope, for instance. They don't want to have sex in public. That's not their thing. 
Definitely, yes, complex, but so important, I feel, to gain a deeper understanding of what rope is and can be for other people, because probably you know what rope is for you, but not everyone is like you, and the more you can be open to understanding other people, the better your time in the rope world will be, I think. That sounds great. I would also love it if the listeners could come and comment on this episode and tell us what their usual favorite rope intents are out of the list. And of course, if you can find intents that are not covered by my list of 12, I would absolutely love your feedback. To grow the territory of our map even further. So that's all from us at The Rope Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from and also come friend us on our FetLife page, Rope Podcast. Follow us on Instagram, where our name is also Rope Podcast. If you have a question related to rope, we'd love to answer it in one of our future episodes. Drop us a message on FetLife or Instagram. If you like this podcast and would enjoy more episodes, find all the ways to support us on our website, ropepodcast.com. In particular, please consider supporting us directly on our Patreon page. Thanks for listening. And have fun tying.